Well, happy Independence Day, church. Fourth of July. You look all nice and relaxed, right? I mean, this is holiday weekend. Love when it falls on the weekend. You got an extended weekend. I hope you're looking forward to everything. But 245 years ago today, there were those that had a belief that led to a conviction. And that conviction allowed them to write what was called the Declaration of Independence. Now again, it started out with this section. It was the intro to the preamble that goes something like this. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation." Okay, when you read that introduction, man, there, there is something. That is setting the stage of, okay, we are about to unleash something on you, which is, which is us saying we are going to unbind ourselves with one of the most powerful empires in the known world. I mean, Great Britain. You've got a group of guys that, that are getting together and then comes the preamble. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that, don't we? All men are created equal. That is a declaration that as created beings, that we are all created in the image of God. I mean, look to the person of, uh, to your left, okay? Audience participation, look to the person on your right. They're created in the image of God. As such, it says, all are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay, with all of that, we as Americans, we cherish those words. We, we love these words. We go, wow, these are words that led to a revolution. And then you had these 56 men do something that was very radical. What did they do? They signed their names. Now I want you to consider something for a moment. They signed their names, all 56 delegates. Now, I, I, we, it's hard for us to comprehend, but I want, you to take, want to take you to that moment. Whereas these are signing their names, they are entering into something called treason against the empire. And for that treason, they are susceptible to being killed for their convictions. And I just think the unparallels with the faith are uncanny, aren't they? But look at that John Hancock. 
Oh, I love that one. Why? Because it was big, it was bold, and it was in your face, right? And then I get to thinking, when it comes to our faith, you know, here in church, this is kind of a a safe environment. We can sing these songs, we can raise our hands, we can do all these kinds of things in the safe environment. But Monday through Saturday, would there be enough conviction that you live with that where people can look at your life and dare to ask this question, what do you believe? I mean, you're kind of a little bit radical. But, but how you respond to things is so different than how the world responds. Um, what do you believe? And maybe even more importantly, why do you believe what you believe? Christian, you must have an answer. Because I think so many times the Holy Spirit of God serves up that incredible volley for you to spike and you don't know what to say when that happens. And I think how shallow is your faith to not be able to have a concise answer and also know the why. I mean, we don't have a blind faith, do we? No, God has given us his authoritative word, his inspired word to anchor our souls to so that when the times get a little bit tumultuous, the winds don't knock us all over the place because we are anchored in the truth. But I find so many times we just allow ourselves to uh, just be tossed back and forth and public opinion and, oh, that's what public opinion is saying now. But as the song was sung, may there be a revival May there be a revolution because in the church of Jesus Christ, whether you're here in person or watching online, the church of Jesus Christ, may we live beyond belief to conviction so that there's enough evidence in your life that you actually live what you say you believe. I mean, this last week, I had the opportunity to meet with a gentleman who I met at a party a few weeks ago, and there was something that the Holy Spirit of God doesn't always do this to me, but everything in me prompted me to just say, man, God is after you, and I want to invite you to Grace Spring Bible Church. Man, I want to invite you. I want you to be among the people of God. You need the people of God right now. And you know what? He came last week. When I wasn't here. But, you know, Kenneth did a better job than I probably could do on that subject matter anyway. So it was so fantastic. And I met with him. And here was his quote about this place. Okay? Hadn't been into a church in his adult life. Okay? And he came here and he says, It was encouraging to be around a group of people who were unflappable in their faith. He's a guy who did not sprint when the service was over. He engaged in conversation with people. And he just said, hey, that that just, he said, I don't believe in everything. I don't buy into everything. But, Brian, I have no problem meeting with you. And, man, let's just meet and let's discuss this stuff. But one thing that was true of Grace Spring, he says, and you'll, you'll be seeing me be coming in from time to time. 
He said it was just great to be around a people of faith. And so maybe you today, from wherever you are listening from, maybe you're in a stage where maybe you just you, you have some unbelief, which we all have. I, I mean, there's areas in my heart, I, I just got to admit, are evidenced that there is unbelief in my heart. I, I hate admitting that to you. I know you have me on this big old spiritual high rise, but don't do that. But don't do that. Because when I make the choice to go against the word of God, that is areas of unbelief in my heart, right? And the Holy Spirit of God reveals those. And I can have the humility to say, okay, Lord, I need to depend on you to get me through that. Or, or, um, or my pride is going to keep me in this unbelief state. Today, we've got the awesome responsibility, I do, the scary responsibility really, of opening up Scripture to you, which I believe is the most compelling, one of the most compelling proofs as to why I believe what I believe. Uh, The book of Isaiah, I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. If you don't have a Bible, we have one under the seat in front of you on page 678. I want you to, to turn to that. Isaiah is in the section of Scripture we call the prophets. Do you know that 25% of the Bible is made up of prophetic literature? And there's a reason for that. Because when God can foretell with precision what is going to happen way in advance, you've got to pay attention to that, folks. We have to pay attention to that. And so Isaiah... This is the most amazing, radical love letter you can absolutely imagine. I mean, this is a love letter. How many of you guys ever went to summer camp? Anyone ever go to summer camp? Did any of you guys ever get that love letter at summer camp? You know, where the counselors would say, all right, all right, Ben. Yeah, you, oh, Kathy, oh, wow. Smell it. Oh, there's perfume. Oh, what? Look at these hearts. Wow. Okay, now. Oh, yeah, Ben, also, hey, you've got a letter from your parents. Okay, which of those two letters are you going to read over and over and over again? It wasn't the from mom and dad. No. No, it's from your, the one that makes your heart go pitter-pat. Isaiah is a love letter like that, that that I believe all throughout, it really connects the strand of redemptive history of Genesis through. And and this is a time in Israel's life, in, in 2 Kings, that there was two different kingdoms, northern kingdom, Israel, southern kingdom, Judah. During this time, Isaiah was a prophet sent to the southern kingdom, Judah, That's where he did his prophetic ministry. He was a contemporary of Micah. Um, But during this time, what was happening up in the northern kingdom is the Assyrians came in and they marched in. And so God was saying through his prophet Isaiah why it is that the people of God are being overtaken by enemies. Because that could cause you to question. That has caused some of you to question. 
Lord. I've been in your word. Man, I go to church most every Sunday. And why are all these bad things happening to me? And we can presume on God. We presume on God all the time. Because we're the people of God. We think that everything in our life should go well when we put Christ front and center. But sometimes, as a, as, as a loving father who just says, okay, I, 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 I need you to come back into obedience that Pastor Kenneth talked about last week. So great. If you missed last week's sermon, you need to listen to last week's sermon on obedience because we all fall somewhere in that story last week. But now here in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah gives us insight. This is 700 years, over 700 years before Jesus comes. And Isaiah is given a vision. And so I want us to stand as we read um, from Isaiah chapter 6. Because what we are going to read is what happened to Isaiah. And then we are going to use that to launch into the crown jewel of Isaiah. Which is Isaiah 52 and 53. Predominantly 53 because Isaiah 53 is the most quoted of all the chapters in the Old Testament that Jesus refers to and the apostles refer to. So, hugely important that we get this. Okay, so Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, okay, so let me give you clarity, that's 740 B.C. Uzziah had reigned Judah for about 52 years. He says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Okay, so these seraphim, they were also referred to as burning ones, holy ones. And what are they saying? And one called to the other and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I mean, just imagine that over and over. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. Okay, now I want to stop right there. Because yesterday I had an experience like this. I was at the Battle Creek Air Show. Okay. And there was an F-22 there that you guys, you got to go see it at 420 today, 425, whatever. you got to go see it because, again, excuse me for taking this out of there, but the power of the thrust of those jet engines almost knocked you over. I mean, we were close to the airport, and I mean, it was so staggering. And then I got to thinking... A candle flame is a fire, right? But a jet engine also is a fire, right? Picture the F-22 thrust kind of power. I mean, it's like, boom! And this is the picture we're getting here. And I said, woe is me. For I am lost, and I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I mean, he's overwhelmed. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs 
from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Isn't that good news? Man, he is confronted with the perfection, the holiness of God. He knows, okay, now I have seen this. I am done for. He knew all the stuff that was messed up in his life in the very same way you know what is messed up in the very depths of your life. All of us have a degree of that. If you knew that you were going to see God tomorrow, it's like, oh man, I better clean some stuff up, right? Okay? Okay, so this is, this is that. But I want you to understand the story does not stop there as it has for way too many Christ followers. Remember our mission statement. Helping people take a step closer to Jesus. Well, here then, after he has this experience, he's cleansed, he's justified. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now again, I want you to picture jet engine magnificence. Who will go for us? Then I said, here I am. Send me. Let's pray. Lord God, you know the depth of my inadequacy and need for you. Knowing that apart from you, I have nothing to offer. Yet now we open your inspired and authoritative love letter to we, your creation. And we collectively listening now pray for the attending power of your Holy Spirit to fan the flame of belief. So that our, 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 our conviction goes beyond that of just the light of a candle to that of the thrust of an F-22 engine. Lord, may this time be eye-opening perhaps heart-wrenching, and even most importantly, be life-changing as we hear the words of your prophet Isaiah this morning. May we respond accordingly through the power of your holy and precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Five basic truths about what we believe, and we will then build as to why we believe what we believe, because I think way too many Christians check their brains in at the door, and they say, Pastor, just tell me what to think. We do not encourage that here at Grace Spring Bible Church at all. I tell people all the time, distrust everything I say and look to the Scripture. And if what I say is not backed up to the Scripture, then please confront me on it. Nobody is ever above being confronted, okay? Especially we pastors. Sometimes we think, well, we can project, we know all that. No. Sometimes we make mistakes. But here we go. Five basic truths as to what to believe. One is this. Here's the picture we get in the first four verses. We have a great God. Maker of heaven and earth. I mean, seriously? Does it get any better than that? We have a great God. But here's the problem. We forget how great and holy and perfect and pure our God is. We, we totally forget that all the time. We have a great God. And here's the interesting thing through history. God himself says, I will rise up the Assyrians. They will be my vehicle of judgment against the northern kingdom, my people. Okay? 
my people, God saying this, it was not just the southern kingdom. It was northern and southern kingdom. They all shared the inheritance. But God raises up the Assyrians. But this is what I think is so absolutely fascinating. When you read through 2 Kings, you'll see that, um, that their king, uh, Cherub, um, he, he just thought he was all that. He thought he was good. And in fact, he comes and he marches upon Jerusalem and he tells King Hezekiah at the time, he's like, hey, we are going to take you. Look at our resume. You should fear in dread of us. But Hezekiah, the king, had humbly come before the Lord and the Lord assured him, hey, no, no, those Assyrians will not take, will not take you over. They're not, they're not going to happen. But God, we're surrounded. Have you not noticed this? But Sennacherib was so convinced that he was going to take Jerusalem that he scoffed at Hezekiah and said, Hezekiah, you're praying to your God? Wasn't your God the same as the uh, kingdom we just conquered God? Um, he did nothing for them. Why do you think he will do anything for you? And guess what happened that night? Oh, 185,000 Assyrians died. And uh, uh, Sunday Cherub had to kind of, you know, table between the legs, going back to Assyrian Empire, and just said, uh, yeah, he messed with the wrong person. Living God. We have a great God. But secondly, what we have here, and this is what we've got to understand, folks, we have, we have a grave disease. See, this wasn't only true for Isaiah, it's true for all of us. In fact, any time in the world, we need something to unify us, don't we? We, we need something. What, what is it that could unify us? What is it that we as human beings all have in common? It's the great unifier. You know what that is? It's called sin. I mean, seriously. Sin is something we were born into because of Adam. Genesis 3 messed everything up. So we were created in the image of God. We had walked with the Lord in the garden. We had this relationship. We had this fellowship until the lie was bought into that you cannot trust God. So you make a better God than us or than me. Okay. Uh, and that's the core of what sin is. We all have a grave disease. We, we, we see this. We see this in Isaiah 59, uh, 1 and 2. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or ear dull that it cannot hear. But, he says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. That's a bad position to be in. And as such, the imagery throughout Isaiah that I, Isaiah uses time and time again is that of sheep. Now, I know we don't have a lot of sheep herders here as a part of this congregation. But sheep are not smart animals. They are dumb. They are nearsighted. They follow the hiney of the sheep in front. This is why a whole herd of sheep can go over a cliff because they're just following the hiney. How many of us in society are just following the hiney of the person in front? And we find ourselves in consequences that we don't like. And so the imagery is we all have this grave disease. We are all wandering around without a shepherd. 
But then, we all need a merciful Savior, don't we? See, God, at this time, he'd say, yes, you better believe I'm holy, and you're not holy, and I'm going to smite you right now. In fact, that was the great fear in this time in Israel's history. Those who were part of the people of God who had presumed upon God had thought that God had declared his declaration of independence against them. Because God's, where where are the blessings? The Assyrians are rising up. But what was very fascinating here, even about over 150 years later, after Isaiah's writings, he is also going to be talking about the Babylonians rising up. It's like, wait, they're not even a blip on the radar yet. But because of prophecy, God is saying, here, here's what's going to happen. And so, we see here that we all need a merciful Savior. We all need a merciful Savior. So see, God sends a shepherd prophesied in Isaiah 40, verse 11. And, and, and here's the imagery I want you to get. Through God's love letter, it's the picture of God seeking the lost sheep. It never says anything about the lost sheep seeking for a shepherd. Lost sheep think they're fine. They're wandering around. Hey, this is freedom. I get to do whatever the heck I want. Man, let's, let's enjoy this freedom. Let's make our own rules, right? But God has designed everything just as it needs to be. I, I remember, you know, uh, when I was in high school, chemistry was the most difficult subject for me. I, any of you? Chemistry? Okay, just... We are the minority, the dumb ones in the group. But yeah, chemistry, I just struggled. Periodic table of elements, all that kind of stuff. When I was in high school, there was like five of them. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, well, five is all I memorized. Anyway, um, but the chemistry teacher did something you never as a high school teacher ever, 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 ever do. Take note. You never say in front of a high school class, never mix sodium and water. (laughs) Just don't do that. Because you will have somebody in your class, like we had in our class, whose name was Walter, who found his way into sneaking in chemistry lab, getting a chunk of sodium, and thinking it would be a great idea to put it in the guy's bathroom. (laughs) Toilet. Sodium and water doesn't mix. God has designed that in his laws of nature. He designed that. And all of a sudden we hear all this alarms going off and hey, everyone evacuate and all that kind of stuff. Walter had thrown that in the doggone toilet and the toilet exploded and water gushing all over the place. And we didn't have a guy's bathroom for a while. I mean, it was just a mess. But you know... The administration extended mercy to Walter. So, yeah, you got to pay for certain things. I mean, that, there's consequences to what you did. But, you know, he was able to graduate from the school and all that kind of stuff. But we all need a merciful Savior. But look at this. We all have access to a miracle cure. See, here we have, in Isaiah's time, we have this picture of a seraphim doing that holy work. 
But if you turn now in your Bibles to Isaiah, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Okay, now remember, this is 700 years. Actually, Isaiah 52. Let's start there because this is really where the song starts. Isaiah 52, verse 13. Are you there? Because you got to see this. This is good stuff. God is referring to the Messiah, the coming Messiah, the one who is going to make things right. Isaiah means Jehovah is salvation, okay? So here we have God is going to do his saving work, and here's how he's going to do it. It says, Behold my servant, and look at verse 13 of 52. Behold my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up. That statement, high and lifted up, is mentioned one other place in the book of Isaiah. Do you know where that is? Come on, guys. We just read it. Isaiah 6. Goodness. Holiday weekend. Man. Isaiah 6. It says, I saw God on his throne high and lifted up, and now you have a picture of a servant. He shall be high and lifted up. This is going to be the picture of the cross. Guess what, folks? The cross hadn't been invented yet as a means of torture. That would be invented by the Persians. It would be perfected by the Romans. It was not on the radar yet. So that's what makes us amazing. And he shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Verse, uh, chapter 53, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from uh, whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Continuing on, because it gets more beautiful. Surely as he bore our griefs. Did you get that? Not his own griefs. As he bore our griefs, carried your or our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace or brought us freedom or brought us shalom. And with his wounds, we are what? Oh, isn't that good news? Well, we get a miracle cure from a merciful Savior, saving us from the grave disease because we have a great God. Isn't this good? I'm telling you, this is good stuff, folks. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Is that indicative of you? Is that indicative of me? Is that indicative of our nation? Yes. Everyone has turned to his own way. Everyone doing right in their own eyes. And the Lord has laid on who the iniquity of us all? On him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Wow. I, I could go on and on. It's a beautiful song, isn't it? 
incredibly beautiful song. But here we get the picture of terminology that we as Christ followers must know because it's in God's word. And here's a word I want you to know. Justification. It's God's act as judge where he declares a guilty sinner to be totally righteous on the basis of Jesus' finished work on the cross. I, I want you to take a picture of this. I want you to get this down. I want you to write this down. God's act as judge. Here we see in Isaiah, God is acting as judge. He's raising up the Assyrians. He would raise up the Babylonians. This is going to be God's judgment on his people for their idolatry. For them saying, hey, we like these fake gods over the real God because we can call our own shots. And God said, no, 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 no. no. There has to be judgment against that. But to show that I'm a merciful God, I am going to make the way to atone for your sin once and for all, which is why Jesus on the cross said it is finished. Do you believe that? But see, the definition, my definition doesn't stop there with belief. And that person's faith squarely on the saving work of Jesus on their behalf. Now here's the fact. I don't understand all of the beauty and the power of this message. Because I am a finite human being. But here's the thing. God has given me his love letter to make an intelligible decision, a choice to do what Jesus told his disciples. Follow me. Just follow me. Doesn't mean you got to have everything figured out about me. No, 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 no. Just follow me. And let me do the transforming you into somebody who you're not now. Don't think that in your own effort you can become something you're not. Don't try. Churches are filled with people trying to be something they're not. And the message is, we've got to, in the very same way, those 56 signers had a conviction to say, this is worth putting my life on the line And that is a conviction that inspires we as the people of Jesus Christ who say, hey, I believe in a great Savior. We've got to take this stuff to heart. Because listen, God's word is so clear, man, that once you get this and you take it to heart, then you are able to hear the Lord say this. Who shall I send? Who shall go for us? Why would he say that? Because we all have an urgent mission. We all have an urgent mission. Now because of time, I'm not going to turn us to Acts chapter 8. But I love Acts chapter 8 because there is a story of a eunuch. I won't go into all the details of what makes a man a eunuch. But there was a eunuch on his chariot. He was a leader in Ethiopia. And as a leader in Ethiopia, um, God got a hold of him. He came to Jerusalem to worship. And then Philip was led by the Holy Spirit to hear this guy reading aloud. What text? Isaiah 53. Reading this text. And Philip says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? I hear what you're reading. God says, how can I understand without somebody to show me? And Philip then explains the scriptures and probably did something like this. Okay, this Jesus, 
whom you heard about. Yeah, he's born of, the, of a virgin. Why, Isaiah 7, 14 says that. He's from the line of Abraham. Well, Genesis 22, 18 said that. He's a descendant of Judah. Yes, that's said in Genesis 49, 10. He would be from the household of King David, Jeremiah 23, 5. Born in Bethlehem, Micah 5, 2. Presented with gifts at his birth, Psalm 72, 10. Forced to flee an evil king, wanting to king ch- kill children in the region of Bethlehem, Jeremiah 31, 15. He would perform his ministry in Galilee, Isaiah 9, 1. He would perform many miracles, Isaiah 35, 6. He would enter Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey, Zechariah 9, 9. He would be betrayed by a friend, Psalm 41, 9. He would be sold for 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah eleven twelve. He would be accused by false witnesses, Psalm 35, 11. He would stand silent before his accuser, Isaiah 53, 7. He would be beaten and spat upon, Isaiah 50, verse 6. He would have his hands and feet pierced, Psalm 20, 22, 16. Should I keep going on? I mean, is this incredible? Again, 322 Old Testament scriptures perfectly. Do you know the chance of that? Statisticians say the chance of this coming true in this kind of precision is 1 to 10 in the 157th power. That's 157 zeros after the 10. Is that staggering? People ask me all the time, well, why do you believe what you believe? (laughs) You want me to read the list? I mean, come on. Oh, that's just coincidence. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. But here's how I want us to respond, because this is a time we are going into a communion. And I tell you, there's so much. And we have a great God. Amen? Amen? We have a great God who could have left us for dead. But we have a grave disease. Romans 3.23, for all sin and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, every one of us. We all have this grave disease, but praise God that he sent a merciful Savior. Man, this is what we're saying amen over. And that we all have access to this miracle cure. And now we all have an urgent mission, helping people take a step closer to Jesus. Not just coming to him in faith one time, but it is every day waking up and saying, Lord, help me live in your power, the power of your resurrection each and every day. So that I can come alongside people in urgency, come alongside people. And wherever they're at in life, I can infuse the gospel message in whatever situation they're in. Because God is at work reconciling the world back to himself. Taking our post-Genesis chapter 3 experience and bringing us back to Genesis 1 and 2. And how does he do this? 2 Corinthians 5.21. It's worth memorizing. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. Have you heard that so much that it's boring to you? Oh, may today not be that day. May the gravity of all this. May you deserve nothing. And he gave you everything. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. I think it's very fitting that 
245 years ago today, the Declaration of Independence was signed saying we are going to break off from an empire and we are going to become our own empire. Well, I would say May, July 4th, 2021, be the day that you, wherever you may be, declare your declaration of independence. In Him, dependence. In Christ, dependence. So that you know beyond all shadow of a doubt that you have assurances. And the assurances aren't that you have to have everything understood about Jesus, but that your assurances are, but He has informed me enough that I follow Him and I trust Him. And if Jesus being the fulfillment of 322 prophecies to perfection from the Old Testament, the probability of 1 to 10 in the 157th power, then when Jesus says, hey, I'm going to return, I am going to return, that that is also a promise you can bank on. Because He is a great God, and He is on His throne, and He is ruling today, and we have an urgent mission, and now it's not that we earn points with God for being on mission with Him. Is that He invites us to be part of the jet engine. And not just a little mere flickering flame. He says, no, come into the mission and let's soar together. Amen? We are going into a time of communion now. And here's what I want to encourage us to do. The elements are back at the tables here in the back. And I would encourage you that we're going to do something a little bit different this Sunday. I'm going to encourage everybody that as soon as I come off the stage and you hear the music going, that you just go and you get your elements, get the bread and get the cup. Now, again, we love when all kinds of people are here, especially those who are curious about faith, but have never really taken the step to place faith in Jesus Christ. I would encourage you, may today be the day you do that. And maybe for the very first time, you could say, hey, this means something to me. This is Christ's broken body for me. I deserve death, but he died in my place. And that, that cup, let's not mock God by taking these lightly. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then we want you to go back. We're not going to look down on you if you're not there yet. We're not going to look down on you. We're so glad you're here. But we want you to take those elements and we want you to bring those elements back to your chair so that we as a family of faith can partake together to declare our declaration of dependence on Him. Our independence. Let me pray for us. Lord God, today as a family of faith, May we as one people declare our declaration of independence squarely unto you. Thank you for the proofs of fulfilled prophecy that validate the means by which we may be saved. No longer wandering as aimless sheep without a shepherd, but having responded to the crazy love extended us by a radical merciful Savior. May you give us the conviction to not stop short of the invitation to join you in seeking other lost and wandering sheep to let your glory and your majesty be known in all the world. We pray that, Lord. And Lord, thank you for making a way. 
thank you for giving us the key to unlock the presence of your Holy Spirit in us to work out through us so that we can be your instruments to give praise and glory to your name. Lord, thank you for this special time of communion. May we all take it to heart, I pray, in your most holy and precious name. And all God's people said, Amen.